Gemara Erubin has been sponsored by Mr. Isaac Jamal and his wife Celia for their success, for their children's success, health, happiness, beracha, parnasav, atzlaha, bechol maaseh yedehem. Daf nun gimal. Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Chaim Sein in honor of a baby boy that was born to him. On Shabbat Kodesh Parashat Haye Saram. But Hashem may be zocher that the baby will be nimol b'shatovah muslachat. Hashem sheikanes tamila kach yikanes the Torah uchulpal nasim tovim. Amen. We are also learning today's daf lelun shmat acham baruch Rafael ben Miriam and Abraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem tanihem began Eden. Amen. We are starting the fifth perek. Of Masechet Arubin, Ketzad Me'abrin. Basically, it's a continuation to the laws of Tchum that we began to study in the fourth Perek. And now our Mishnah is going to discuss that when we talk about a Tchum of a city, that a person has 2,000 Amah from the city, where do you start counting the 2,000 Amah? How do you calculate that uh, that figure from the outer house, from the outer wall? Exactly where did the 2,000 Amah begin from those people that have their Shivita in the city itself? So the Mishnah right away says, Ketzad me'aberin et'arim. How do we... Um, Make an ibur, which would literally, literally, let's say, make a an addition or extend the cities when we want to make iruv. Which means, to what point do we start the iruv? Where does the extension of the city begin? Ketzad me'aberin arim. So the Mishnah says, Bayit nechnas, bayit yotzeh. Let's say the border of the city, I think we have pictures of that. The border of the city is not a straight wall. Let's say the border of the city is of homes. And the homes are not in a straight line. One house protrudes out and one house is in. Uh, in our... Uh, okay, I don't see a picture of that now. But, but it's very simple to, to figure. It's not a straight wall of homes, one protrudes out, one protrudes in, so the, uh, okay, maybe it is in the book, picture 187, fine, so you see over here, towards the border, you have some houses that are sticking out, and you have those that are in, so the deen is going to be, you follow the houses that protrude out, and you make a straight line down from that house, and that becomes the border, and you can go 2,000 amah from there. The same thing would be in the next case, the next case would be, pegum nichnas, pegum yotze. those are the round towers that they would have, or tall buildings, like you see in picture 188. So again, you have some of these towers on the border, some of them protrude, so therefore you take the one that protrudes the most, the most outermost one, and you draw a line straight down from the top to the bottom, and that becomes the border of the city, and it is from there that you count the 2,000 amma. Uh, the next case would be, Hayusham Gedudiyot Gevot Asara, 
Shefahim. Now that's referring to if, uh, let's say, you had by the border of the city some uh, homes that were dilapidated, and you just have walls that are ten tefahim high, which means from the dilapidated buildings that, let's say, came down. So the Mishnah is going to tell you, if you had over there walls from buildings that were destroyed, that were asarat tefahim, so again, you count the alpayim ama from that building, which means that is considered, for our purposes, a dira meaning a residence, to the extent that the law of Eruv in a city, you count it from the last house, so that is considered enough of a house to consider your Eruv. Of course, the Gemara is going to teach us that it has to be within a certain distance from the city proper, within 70 and two-thirds Amma from the city proper, like you see in picture 189. But so long as you have these walls in the building, in the house that was destroyed, at least the tent of that is considered enough that from that point you draw a line, and you count your 2,000 amma beyond it. Next case, Gesharim. Gesharim literally are uh, bridges. Okay, we don't have a picture of that, but as she explains, we're talking about bridges over here that are enclosed, and you have uh, the tax collector that lives on top of the bridge, so therefore it's considered a residence, so therefore if the bridge is on the border, so therefore you count it from the Gisharim, Nefashot. Now Nefashot are like the uh, graves. Now on top of the graves, they would have a little structure as well, where the Shomer, also the Shomer Kibarot, he would also be there. So that's considered also enough of a residency to be considered that you count your Eruv from that uh, point. If you look at picture 190, so you see they have the cemetery at the border of the city, and they have one of those graves has like the dome on top. That's where the Shomer of the cemetery, let's say, would, uh, you know, scout from. So therefore that's considered enough of a residency that you'd make your border from that spot. So from that the grave, 2,000 amma out you have. Now again, we're talking about where the grave is within 70 and two-thirds amma of the city. So it's still within the parameters, and then already you have an extension. So that's what we're calling all these cases ibud. The Gemara is going to tell us ibud is like a pregnant lady that has a protrusion. So therefore, she's called an umrah, she's pregnant. So therefore, same thing over here, you're, the, the, you, the, the city is pregnant in the sense that you're getting an extra protrusion outside of the normal city limits in order to count your 2,000 amma. Now the Mishnah continues, uh, As we explained, that we're talking about the graves that have residency, meaning they have a top floor over them where the Shomer would uh, stay and protect the, uh, the Kevarim. Motsi'in etamida kenegdan which means you take out the measuring kenegdan from them, meaning or to them, meaning you make a straight line, that she says, from the outermost protruded house or building, and you just go from the top to the bottom, I mean, you don't make a zigzag line from the ones that are in and then go out and go in already. The border has to be straight. So therefore, once you find the outermost house at that border, exactly, you just cut it straight all the way down. Now, the Mishnah continues, And when you make your Eruv, it's like a square, like a square table, 
in order that you gain the corners. Now she tells us that we're talking about a case over here where your city, let's say, is square. Okay? Uh, you look at 191. So you'd see the middle is the city. Okay, that's the P where the dwellers are. So it's a perfect square, and as she tells us, it's 2,000 by 2,000. Okay, so it comes out, make a square now around it, meaning from any point of the city, from any uh, side of the city, you have 2,000 amma to the right, and 2,000 amma to the left, and comes out to each side, you're going to end up having 6,000 amma. Right, 2,000 on the right, the city itself is 2,000, and then 2,000 to the left, up north and south as well. 2,000 of the city, north you have 2,000 to the south. So it comes out you have a square of 6,000 amma by 6,000 amma. Now what you're going to gain is the corners, because now from the corner of, let's say, one uh, square to the corner of the city is going to be more than 2,000 amma. Meet 2800 amma. So therefore, if you make a circle, so then already you lose that area of the corners where you would not be allowed to. Okay, so that she's telling you always when you make the configuration of Eruv, it's in a square formation. And of course, if the, if the city is rectangular, then you make it rectangular. But the point is, it's not circular, because in circular Eruv, you know, or, 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 uh, or area, you would lose the corners, as you see in picture 191, uh, you're losing the corners of each um, of each box. That's similar to what we learned previously in the Mishnah, that the Aruv is done in the square measure. So that's basically the points of the Mishnah. Of course, the Gemara will go uh, back to all these points and review them and analyze them. But the beginning of our Gemara actually is Agarita. Gemara goes through different Agadaic literature that has to do with our Mishnah, and then it goes off on some other uh, interesting points. The Gemara begins... Rab Ushmuel, we have a Mahloket Rab Ushmuel. Had Tane Me'abrin. One learns the text of our Mishnah Me'abrin. Behad Tane Me'abrin. And one has the text Me'abrin with an Aleph. What is the difference? Man de Tani Me'abrin. The one that learns the Mishnah with an Aleph. Ever, ever. It comes from the word limbs, which is means you're adding limbs to the city. Of course, now that you have the protrusion, so it's like you're adding a limb, you're adding a section to the city. So he learns it melashon ever. Uh, others I saw learn that this word ever is coming from a pasuk in miyitenli ever kayona. Even in that pasuk refers to a wing. So you're making an extra wing to the city, meaning you're adding. The other shita says, Man detani me'abrin ke'isha ubra. Like a lady that is pregnant, and therefore she has a protrusion. So too, ketzad me'abrin ta'id. How do we make the protrusion to the city? And then the Mishnah says, based on the homes that are protruding out. The Gemara continues and says, Me'arata Machpela, regarding the Me'arata Machpela, of course that's where uh, the Avot 
and the imaot were buried, uh, that burial plot in Hebron, Rav Shmuel. So regarding that, Me'arat Machpelah, we have a Mahloket, Rav and Shmuel. What does the word Machpelah mean? That's going to be the discussion now. Hadamar, one says, Shne Batim Ze Lifnim Mizeh. It was two homes that were one within each other. If you look at your Rashi, you see a picture there. We have the opening of the Me'ara, and it's a room within a room. Then you have the outer room, and then you have the inner room. Hence, Me'ara, the Machpela. It's a two-roomed cave. You have a Bayit Kitson, and you have the outer room, and then you have the inner room. That's why it's called Machpela. It's doubled. The other Shita says, Behadamar Bayit Ve'aliyah Al-Gabav. Machpelah means you have a structure, by the first floor, the Aliyah al-Gabav. And you have a dome on top of it. We have a second floor. So it was a two-floored uh, grave. So therefore it's called Ma'arat al-Machpelah because it is double. That's the Ma'arat between Rav and Shemuel. What was the configuration of Ma'arat al-Machpelah? So the Gibbara says, Bishlam al-Iman da'amad. According to the opinion that says it was one uh, grave, let's say, with a second floor on top of it. Hainu Mechpela. Now we understand the language Mechpela because it's more mashma that that's what Mechpela is, meaning a room within a room is not the, let's just call it two rooms. It's, 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 you wouldn't use the word Mechpela. Mechpela means like double, that's like coupled one on top of each other. But if you say it's just, you know, a room within a room, my Mechpela. You know, the word Mechpela would not really be Shayak, it's just, you know, two rooms. So the Gemara says, Shekefula Bezugot. Says, you're right, Mechpela is not referring to the structure. The structure is a room within a room. The Mechpela is going on, the people that were buried there. They were buried there in pairs. Adam the Chaba, Abraham the Sarah, Yitzhak the Rivka, Yaakov and Le'ah. So therefore, the pairs that were buried there, that's why it is called Mechpela. But it was doubled, meaning it was, it was the place that the pairs were buried. As she says, Ish the Ishto. Comes the Gemara and says, Mamre. So I saw over here, before we even uh, go further, there's a, an interesting explanation to understand what the mahloket between Rav and Shemuel was. Meaning, there is indeed a mahlukah on the configuration of the Ma'arat al-Makhbirah. Was it a room within a room, or was it a room with a, with a second floor? So the Ayun uh, Yaakov wants to say as follows. The mahlukah was, who was greater, Adam Arishon or Avraham Avinu? The scientists said that Adam Arishon was greater because he was the Yitzir Kapav Shalakadosh Baruch Hu. God created him di- di- directly. So according to that opinion, they want to say that it was a room within a room, meaning Adam Arishon was buried in the inner room. That's the, you know, the, the better place, so to speak. And Avraham was buried in the outer room. But if you learn that it was a Machpelah, that it was a room on top of a room, they want to say Adam Rishon was buried on the lower floor, and then Abraham, who was the Tikkun of Adam Rishon, they buried him on top. So therefore they want to learn that that's what that Machloket is. Who was actually great, and based on that, where were they buried? In a more coveted spot, or not, based on their greatness. In any event, the Gemara continues and says, Mamre 
Kiryat Arba. Meaning it says in the Pasuk, this Pasuk actually is talking by Yaakov. The Pasuk says, Vayavo Yaakov el Yitzhak Aviv. Yaakov came to his father, Mamre, in Mamre, Kiryat Arba, he Hevron. So they call that area Kiryat, the city of the four. So the Gemara says, Mamre, Kiryat Arba, Amar of Yitzhak, Kiryat Arba Zugot. That's the city where the four zugot, the four couples were destined to be buried. Adam the Chaba, Abraham the Sarah, Yitzhak the Rivka, Yaakov the Which means that's already you see the Torah does refer to that city, Hebron Kiryat Arba, because of the future fact that the um, Avot and Imaot were going to be buried in that spot. Comes the Gemara and continues on another derasha. If you remember when there was a war, the first world war between the four kings and the five kings, Amrafel was the king of the four kings, he was the head of the four kings, he led that group, and they went out to war, his name was Amrafel. So the Gemara says, Rav Shmuel, we have a mahlokat as well between Rav and Shmuel, Hadamar Nimrod Shemo. Some say really Amrafel, his real name was Nimrod, it was the same guy, that was his real name. Amrafel. So why did they call him then in the Pasuk Amrafel? Because we know the story, it was Nimrod that had Abraham thrown into a fiery furnace because he believed in God. And they, Abraham believed in God, and they went against the establishment. Actually, Terah was the one that squealed on Abraham to Nimrod, and there was the Nimrod that said, Amar Vepil. He said, and they threw uh, Abraham in the fire. So Amrafel is like an abbreviation of the words Amar Vepil. He said, and then they threw, they caused Abraham to fall into the fire. So his real name was Nimrod, but they called him Amrafel because of that. They had Amar, and some say, Amrafel Shemo. Some say, no, his real name was Amrafel. So why do they refer to him as Nimrod? Because Nimrod comes from the word Merid, to, to, to cause to rebel, which means he caused the entire uh, world to rebel against God. Alav is referring to God, because he did not believe in God, and uh, therefore his name was Nimrod Belashon Merida. Vayakom Melech Hadash al Misraim. Now the Gemara gives a derash by Paro. It says a new king arose on Misraim. Rav Shmuel. We have a machlok between Rav and Shmuel. Had Amar Hadash Mamash. One says when it says Melech Hadash, it was indeed Melech Hadash, a new king. Meaning the first Paro died, and now a new Paro was installed. Vehad Amar Shinit Hadeshu Gezerotav. And another opinion says, no, it was the same Paro, he just had new decrees. According to the opinion that says indeed it was a new king, Dikhtid, Hadash, I'm just learning it from the words, Hadash Hadash means it was new. And the one that takes it out of the literal context and says, when it says Melech Hadash, it means Shinit Hadashu Gezerotav, Medelo Ketiv Vayamot Vayimloch. It doesn't say that the first king died. 
So therefore, it implies that what? It was the same king, he just changed his policy. Because otherwise it would have said, Bayamot, Bayimloch, Melech Hadash. According to the opinion that says, it was the same old king. He just changed his policies. Ha'kitiv ashilu yadat Yosef. When he says he didn't know Yosef, it was the same, if it was the same king, certainly he knew Yosef. So the Gemara says, "My yadat Yosef. What does it mean that he didn't know Yosef? Yosef He made himself as if he did not know Yosef. Of course he knew Yosef. This was the king that uh, had the dealings with Yosef. And when it says, "Ashelo meaning he made himself keilu lo et Yosef. And now the Gemara continues uh, giving us different derashot. Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Yohanan said, Yud chet yamim gidalti etzel rabbi osha'ya birbi. Rabbi Yohanan says, I learned or I was raised, or I studied by Rabbi Yoshia birbi. Whenever you see a word birbi after Rabbi's name, that means he was the hashuv. The Hashuv one. He says, I learned by him for 18 days. And those 18 days, I only learned one thing from him, and it's regarding our Mishnah. He taught me that the text in the Mishnah, instead of reading it with an ayin, you read it with an alif. So he said, I learned 18 days by the rabbi, and this is the hadush that I got, that the text is me'abbirin as opposed to me'abbirin, as opposed to the ayin. Gemara says, Ini, we have a contradiction. She says, how could you tell me that Rabbi Hanan learned for 18 days by the Moshaya, and that's the only thing he learned? We have a statement that's mashma that he learned much more. How? Rabbi Hanan, Rabbi Hanan himself said, Yud There are actually 12 students that Rabbi Hanan had. Yud Says that I was raised amongst them only for 18 days. And I was able to understand and perceive the heart of each one of those students, meaning he understood their character and their midot, which emanate from a heart. And I was able to then perceive the uh, intellect and the wisdom and the sharpness of each one. And therefore, it's much by that in those 18 days, he learned much more if he was able to perceive all the character of all the students and all the wisdom of those students. So it must have been, uh, it was much more that she says, He's learning, was the, he learned how sharp he was able to make an assessment. Jeez, he was able to make assessments who's sharper than, than who. Exactly who was smarter, who learned more, and who didn't. So the Gemara says, Here. That he knew. He was able to make those assessments. However, gamra lo gamar. However, uh, more than that, meaning learning tradition of the of the limud that he didn't learn. He did it's two different things. He was making assessments on the students, but that doesn't mean he learned anything from lavoshayabiribi. Mm-hmm. 
or another explanation, Yes, from the students, he learned a lot. However, but from the rabbi himself, he didn't learn except the one diuk in the Mishnah that he mentioned. Or another interpretation, we can say really he learned a lot from the Voshaya, that it be. And when he said that he only learned one thing, he meant the following. Meaning regarding our Mishnah, I learned one Hiddush. But I learned many things regarding other uh, uh, subjects and uh, situations. So therefore, we have three different interpretations. I had explained the Hanan's relationship with Rav Shaya during those 18 days. He says, well, we used to learn Torah by the Vosheya, Hayinu Yoshvin, Arba'a, Arba'a, Be'amma. We sat so close to each other to be next to the rabbi, where there was four students that were sitting in an amma uh, area, which is a very small, uh, uh, you know, uh, area, cramped area for people, obviously, to sit. So it says, Amar Rav, Rav comes along and says, Kishayinu lomdim Torah, etzel Rabbi Elazar ben Shamua, hayinu yozim shisha, shisha be'amma. We were sitting six students in a small area of an amma. Now, the Maharsha says that it is truly a miracle that you can fit six people in that area because it comes out like they're all cramped in an area that's less than a tefah because there's four tefahim in an amma and therefore if you have if you have four in a, in 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 amma okay so you can have let's say one that's sitting in a uh, in a in 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 a uh, in a tefah but if you have six tefahim to six people so you can have them sitting less than a tefah each person you have to say it's derechness so I saw one of the mafashim explain that what was the Hadush? Why in one generation only four and one generation you able to fit six? So they explained, depends what they were learning. In the generation of Roshaya, they were learning four Siddharim of Mishnah. So because they were studying the four Siddharim of the Mishnah, Bani Alam allowed them to be cramped in a small area as uh, an Amah for four people. But in the times of Rabbi, was it a B? Yeah. They were learning six Siddharim of Mishnah. So therefore, connected to six Siddharim of Mishnah, six people were able to sit in a cramped area as such. In any event, the Yamara continues and says, Amar Rabbi Yohanan. Huh? Rabbi Yohanan comes along and says, Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Bedoro, Rabbi Yohanan, the Hashuv one in his generation, he was like Rabbi Meir in his generation. Just like Rabbi Meir in his generation. Like we learned earlier in the Masechet, that the students could not uh, understand the depth of his wisdom, because we explained that Rabbi Meir was able to make both sides of the argument sound plausible. So when they learned with Rabbi Meir, they couldn't come out with a halakha. Because he made everything so clear to them, so they, they didn't know which way to go. They're saying that Hanina and his generation was the same way. After, I'm sorry, Rabbi Shaya, after Rabbi Shaya, 
uh, in his generation, Lo Yachnu Haderav Naramod Al Sof Darto. Now they also could not uh, come to the conclusion or full understanding of what his opinion was. And that's because of the clarity that he had that both sides of the argument uh, were uh, explained. Amar Abu Hanan, Hanan now is referring to the greatness uh, of the earlier rabbis as opposed to the later rabbis. The Bansha, the Shonin, the hearts of the earlier rabbis, Kifitchoshil Ulam was as wide as the gates or the opening, the doorway of the Ulam, the entranceway of the Bet HaMikdash, which was 40 Ammah wide, which was very, very wide. But the later rabbis, that's already the opening of the Hechal, which was half the size, which was only 20 Ammah wide. And in us... So we, our hearts are open for wisdom, like the opening of a naked maha, like the, the eye of a of a, pin, a pinhole sidkit that's used to sew up uh, tears that are on a garment. Sidkit is the tears, a needle that used to sew the tears. How small is that hole over there? So yeah, that's our generation. So he says, who are we referring to? These shonim, these shonim that we're saying. Had the, you know, Petroshel Ulam, I'm sorry, Petroshel, yes, Petroshel Ulam, I review. That she says, Petroshel Ulam, Lachavo Chaf. Veshel Echal Yud. I said 40 and 20, it's 20 and 10. So the Echal is 20, who are you refer, 20, the Ulam is 20, the Ulam is 20, who are you referring to? Kabbalah says, the Biakiva. That's the heart of Rabbi Akiva in his generation. Acharonim, which is Petroshel Hechal, which is half already the level. Who's that referring to? Rabbi Al-Azhar ben Shamua. Ika de Amri, some say Rishonim, Rabbi Al-Azhar ben Shamua. Acharonim, Rabbi Shaya ben Rabbi. Da'anu kimlo nekib machat sidkit. And we are the size of the hole of a needle. That's our heart. That's our level. Amar Abayis, Abayis was after all this statement was made. He says, Ve'anan. He said, and us, we're not even the eye of a needle. Ki sikhta beguda legamla. Which now she explains like a nail, ki yated, like a peg. Shinu'atsim oto bekotel benekev tsar. Which means you have a little hole and the uh, the nail is big. So it's very hard to fit it in the hole. So it's like trying to fit a wide peg into a narrow hole. And you have to squeeze it in because it doesn't fit. V'nichnas bedohak. Ki en yechodim anu lehavin ma she'anu shum'in ki me'atu bekoshi. He says, our generation, we can't understand only but a little. And the little that we understand, it's with hardship. That's already a bayer saying it in his generation. So Rabbah comes along and says, Ve'anan, and us, ki etzba'ata bekira lisvara. It's like, in understanding sivara, the rationale behind what we're learning, it's like a man trying to stick his finger into hard wax. Hard kira's wax. You can't put your finger in hard wax. It doesn't, it doesn't go through. It doesn't penetrate. They're saying the same thing. Our minds are closed. That's hard for us to understand the sevarot. Amar was later. He comes along and says, Anan ki bi'bira 
which means regarding forgetfulness, we forget as easy as as it is to stake, put your finger in a pit. A pit is a big hole. Of course, no, 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 it's easy. He says, that's how easy it is us to forget our learning. It is like a, uh, it's ba, putting your finger, she says in the first wide line, Just like it's easy to enter in the piyabod, so too we are speedily forgetting our learning. Amar of Yehuda, Amar Rav. Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, the people that studied in the area called Yehuda, they were makpid on their lashon. They were very careful in the way they spoke. So the Torah stood by them. They remembered their learning. They were successful. But the people of the Galilee that were not so careful in their language, their Torah did not stand for them. Now that she's learning, what does it mean? Meaning they had a nice dibur. They didn't speak uh, not nice uh, words. So it seems that the Gemara at this point is saying that based on the way they spoke, so that already affected the way they remembered. So the Gemara says, Midi Bekepeda Talia Milta. <laughs> is that uh, is that something that makes you remember your learning? Because if you have a good speech, that affects your uh, memory. That cannot be the uh, the issue. Meaning, when they learned, they were precise with the words that they learned in the learning. Because they were careful when they were saying over the case, for example, that they used the exact precise words, which means in the learning itself. And then what did they do? And then they would make different signs for them to remember the learning. In order, they would give it a mazim, let's say. But since their learning was so precise, they were able to give proper simanim also to remember. Rashi says, Umanihim simanim. Rashi says, first of all, They were precise in their lashon. They would repeat the shi'ud in the same language that they heard it from their rabbis. And they would hear one halakha after another halakha. They would give a, 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 a sign. Which is since they had the right language. Because they were careful, so they were able to make good simanim also to remember exactly what the halachot were. However, stood by them. However, weren't precise in repeating it the same way that the rabbi said it. And therefore they did not, they weren't able to make good simanim to remember. Now tells us another difference between the Bnei Yehuda and the Bnei Galil. Bnei Yehuda gamru mehad The people of Yehuda, they learned from one rabbi. So therefore, they were able to remember their learning. But the Bnei Galil, they didn't learn from one rabbi, they learned from many rabbis. Now this Tosafot explains, we're talking about to get the text. 
When it comes to getting text, you learn from one rabbi. Because then you're going to get confused, because each rabbi has a different text. You're, not, you're going to become bibulbal, you're going to come all, uh, all mixed up. So when it comes to getting the text, better to have one rabbi to get a clear path in how to learn the uh, Mishnayot. However, when it comes to logic, then already Tosfot says, Adraba, you can go to many rabbis, to hear different Sevarot. So therefore, when it came to remembering the Mishnayot, they had a better memory, because they had one clear path for one rabbi, so it was all consistent. As opposed to the Bnei Galil, you know, they went around to different Hagamim, uh, they have different texts, so therefore they did not have a good memory to what they were learning. Comes the Gebaran says, Ravina Amar, Bnei Yehuda, Degalu Masechta, what is Galu Masechta Rashi? Not only did they learn for themselves, but they taught to others. Another explanation. They analyzed everything they learned to get to the reasoning. They learned in depth in order to get the logic of every halakha. So it's either galum masikhta. They revealed their learning, the masikhta to others. Or they revealed in itself, meaning they clarified it. So they were able to remember their learning. But either they did not teach it to others. Or maybe they didn't uncover the reasonings. So therefore they forgot their learning. So it comes again what on says, David, regarding David Amelech, Galem Masikta, he uh, taught to others and also gave the depth of the, the mood. Shaul, lo but Shaul did not teach or no, he did give the Depth of the reasonings. The Gemara says, what was the difference between Shaul and David? David the Galim Masikta. David that plummeted the depths of the learning. Ketibet says, in the Pasuk, Yirecha Yiruni V'Yismahu. Says, those that fear God. When they saw David Amalek, they were happy. Because they knew that they're going to get the right halakha because he went into the depth of it and he's giving them the clarity. So they were happy that she says three lines on the bottom. Means right on the mark. Since he learned uh, in depth, he was able to come out with the proper halakha. So when the people heard David's halakha, they were thrilled because they knew he was right. However, Shaul did not go to give the depth of the reasoning what does it say about him which means wherever he would turn he would be unsuccessful which means he would not hit the mark he would be off the mark in the learning now that's not the literal interpretation of Pasuk literally it means regarding the enemies of Shaul wherever he would go he would kill them Yashiyah would destroy his enemies. But now according to this over here, she says, Lo lehorot He wasn't zokheh to get to the halakha because he didn't have the, the, the depth of the reason. So therefore, David was different than Shaul. How do we know that Akadosh Baruch Hu forgave Shaul for that sin? What sin? Shaul was responsible for killing Nov'ir Kohanim, 
a city of Kohanim that he felt were rebellious against him because they sided with David. So how do we know God forgave him for that? Because Shimuel, who already was in heaven, sent a message to Shaul and said, Mahar, atta ubanecha imi. Tomorrow, you and your children will be with me. Now what does with me mean? Ami bimhisati. Meaning you will be with me in the same uh, area where I am. Meaning obviously next to God, Shekinah. And therefore you see Shaul must have been forgiven because he was predicted he's going to be in the same mehitsa. Amar Rab Abba. Iika de mashilehu libne yehuda de daike if somebody has a chance to ask Bnei Yehuda, who are precise in their learning, ask them the following: Me'aberim tenan or me'aberim tenan. Ask them exactly what is the proper uh, text, and also ask them: Akuzotenan or Akuzotenan. What is the aleph or ayin of Akuzo or Akuzo? So that she says, this is referring to the law of a Bechor. Now the Bechor Behema is to be consecrated for a Korban. Unless it has a Mum. Now one of the Mum, uh, the Mumim is that if one of the, uh, I'm assuming that the word is the testicles of the animal is missing. If he has just one and one is missing, you don't see the other one, so it's a Baal Mum. But sometimes it has two kisim, it has two bags, but you don't see the testicle itself. So the Rabbi Akiva says you take the animal and you put it on its backside and you lie it down and you press the thigh of the animal and the keys of the animal because sometimes it's deep inside and you have to bring it out. So therefore it says you put the animal achuzo. Akuzo is on its backside. So therefore we wanted to know, is the right text Akuzo with an ayin or Akuzo with a aleph? So you know, ask them, because uh, they are middakdek in their uh, lashon. Huh? That's Akuzo, is the backside. You put the animal on that, you don't sit on the You put the animal on its backside and you rub that area of the, uh, of the keys, right? It'll pop out. Exactly. So again, Akuzo tenan or Akuzo tenan? she'elinu. Okay, if anybody knows, they can, uh, you can ask them because they know. She'elinu, so they asked them, the Ambile, and they said, Ika detani me'abrin, ve'ika detani me'abrin. Ika detani achuzo, ve'ika detani achuzo. I told them, listen, both texts are uh, are available, they're both acceptable in both cases. Comes the Gemara and says, B'nei Yehuda, de'daike lishna, B'nei Yehuda, they were precise in their lashon, Maihi. who was it referring to? Says Dahu Bar Yehuda. There was a guy from Yehuda. The Amar Lehu. He said to the uh, people, Talet Yeshli Limkor. He said, I have a talet. I want to sell. Amrule, my gavan talitcha. What color is the talet? Amar Lehu Keteradin Ale Adama. It is the color of the leaves of the beet that are above the ground. 
green. Which means he meant to say it was green. Why didn't he just say green? Because if you say yarok, yarok can also be interpreted as yellow. So therefore they were careful to be precise so you'll know that it is green. So as he say, like the color of the leaves of the beet that are above ground. That's no question, they're green. So therefore you see they were medayek in the lashon, not to give a vague terminology that you might interpret as green or yellow. Kemarah okay, continues, Bene Galil. So the Bedeka, they weren't so precise in their Lashon. What's the, what's the case? There was a fellow from the Galilee. Right, that he was walking, was going. The Amar, we said to the people, Amar Leman. Amar Leman. He was announcing, he was uh, saying those words. Amar Leman, Amar Leman. Who wants Amar? Who wants Amar? Who has uh, Amar? What is Amar? So Amru, they told him, Gilila Shoteh. You foolish fellow from the Galil. Hamar Lemirkav. When you're saying the word Amar, do you mean a Hamar? Meaning a, a Hamor, a donkey in order to ride on? Or hamar lemishteh, or do you want wine to drink? Or amar lemilbash, or do you want wool? That's amar in order to make a garment to wear. Or imar, or do you want a sheep litkasea in order to slaughter it? Since he wasn't pronouncing the word correctly, they made they didn't make a difference between an aleph. And an ayin, and a het, as all those letters. What are, you, what are you talking about? Amar leman. Do you mean hamar leman? Do you mean amar leman? Imar leman? So therefore, what's the, uh, what are you talking about? You see, they weren't medagdek on their lashom. But you do see over here clearly from the Gemara that there had to be a difference between the pronunciation of an ayin and an aleph. Because they weren't clear what he was saying. That can only be according to the Sefaradim, the way we pronounce the Aleph and the Ayin. But there are those that do not make a, a difference. So all these things, uh, you know, the Aleph Ayin is really uh, not uh, significant. In any event, the Gebarah says, Ha'i Ha'i There was a certain lady. She wanted to tell her friend, Come, I want to give you milk to drink. I want to feed you milk, which is a nice thing to say to the friend. But because she didn't have a good lashon, she didn't have a proper way of saying it, Amra la... She said, instead of saying, uh, she slurred those words, and she said, or she said, uh, now, shluchti is a type of word that's a, not a nice word, I meaning you're not calling it, instead of saying her friend, she called her friend, Come and I will feed you. Or a, a, a lion. is a lion. Come and you will be fed to the lions. Instead of telling her she give her milk, she said, Come, shtukhti, it's a derogatory way of calling her. I will feed you to the lions. Now, how, how did she make that mistake from those words? So that she tells us. Ta'ad de'ukhlih halba. 
הייתה רוצה לומר בואי ואוכלי חלב ואין המפרש לחתוך תיבות זו מזו she doesn't separate the words when she's speaking ולהשמיע כל תיבה ותיבה and she doesn't make you know pauses between the words she can hear each word clearly ומצטרפות שתי תיבות כאחת so two words become one word ומגמגם את התיבות and the words become uh, like slurred ואומרת תאכליך ליבה right instead of saying ta the okhlikh she said it together tukhlikh meaning you should be eaten instead of saying come and i will feed you ta the akhlikh tukhlikh tukhlikh be eaten the omeret name shlukhti bekaf instead of daitaru tsalmar shlufti shlufti is my friend shluf meaning the one that is compatible to me the one that is my partner instead of saying shlufti she said shlukhti which is a negative thing so therefore she uh, she gave the tukhlikh uh, liba כללה משמה, שתוכלך לביד, היא שמיעין ביידי ליין. ההיא אתתה, ווז אי ליידי, דעתיה לקמה דדיינה, שהיא קיימה בפני הג'אדג'ס. ההיא אתתה, דעתיה לקמה דדיינה, שהיא קיימה בפני הג'אדג'ס. אמרה ל... so she says in front of the judge, מראה כירה תפלה הבט לי, וגנבוך מין, וחדו הבט, דחר שדרו לך אל נווה, לא מטה קרעך ערעה, אמהתה, I'm sorry, ערעה. הגמרא explains a case where a lady came in front of the judges, the case actually was that she had a a certain table that was stolen from her but she did not uh, state her case clearly and therefore it was very offensive what she said to the judges what did she say? Amra le mara kiri adoni avdi which means she called the, uh, the judge her servant because the word kiri with a kaf is a servant as opposed with a kof kiri is a uh, is a master so therefore instead of her using the kiri with the kof which has a different sound she used the word kiri which obviously has a uh, different uh, connotation furthermore instead of saying tabla a tabla she called it a tafla tafla is a beam so she says tafla havetli i had a beam וגנבוך מין instead of saying that they stole it from me meaning that she should have said וגנבוה מיני she said וגנבוך מין they stole you from me meaning she was talking to the judges now they stole you from me וכדו הבת and now it is going to be she meant to say וכדן הבת which means she meant to say and this is what happened um but what she ended up saying is and now this is what she was trying to give the measurements so she meant to say um, this is what it is this is what the measurements are of the table but she said now it is going to be that they are going to hang you on it so she was telling the judges that they are going to hang the judges from the uh, from the beam 
when she was trying to explain the measurements. So then she says, Lo matu She meant to say that the legs of the table did not reach the ground, but instead she was saying, your legs are not going to reach the ground on the beam that they're going to hang you from. Meaning he's going to be dangling. So therefore you see, because she wasn't uh, careful, so she got into uh, into uh, trouble over there. So comes the Gevaran says further. Gemara says, Amhata de Berbi, the maidservant that was in the house of Rabbeinu Akadosh. Kihava Mishtaya Belashon Chokma, when she used to want to talk to the students in a smart way, meaning in a Remez way. Certain things it was not proper for to talk directly to the students, so she would give them hints to exactly what she meant. Amra she would say the following. Amre she would say the following. Alat nakaft bechad yidun She would want to tell them, for example, that uh, there's no more uh, to drink, and therefore it's time for them to go home. It seems they ate in the uh, yeshiva. So uh, it wasn't proper maybe for her to talk directly to them. So she would give them a hint. What was the hint? She would say, Alat, that would be the, uh, the ladle uh, that they would draw the wine with. Seems they had a big vat. So we take a ladle and draw the wine out. She would say, Alat, the ladle, Nakfat is banging against Bekad. Meaning, it's at the bottom of the barrel and it's clanking against it. Meaning the barrel is empty. And therefore, Yidun Nishraya Lekinehon. The birds should fly back to their nests. Which means there's no more wine to drink. Everybody should go home. The Gemara says, uh, When she wanted them to stay, meaning to continue eating and drinking, she would say, uh, The way that she explains it is, we are going to remove the cover from the Habit from the barrel that is next to it, meaning this barrel is empty, but don't worry, we will remove the cover from the its friend, meaning we'll open up a new barrel. So again, we will go after its friend, meaning the next barrel, meaning to it, and the ladle will float. The, the that's floating alat the ladle bekad in the barrel keilfa like a boat the azlabiyama that go floats in the water which means in a new barrel the ladle floats on the top so therefore be patient we'll open up another barrel and uh, you'll have uh, what the dream meaning you can stay the Mara continues Rabbi Yosef bar Asian when he wanted to talk in remez, in a you know, uh, in a hinted way, Amari would say like this: Asuli shor b'mishpat betur miskin. He would be asking for a certain type of food, but he would call it shor b'mishpat, the shor, the ox of judgment. In the mountain of Miskin, in the impoverished mountain, what was he hinting to? So that she says, Shor Mishpat, he wanted beets. Now how do you say Shor in Aramaic? Tor. How do you say Mishpat? Din. 
So he was saying, Shor Mishpat is Tordin. Tordin is Teradin. Meaning he wanted beets. Now, Tur Miskin, as she says, is, Tur is a Har, is a mountain. And a Miskin is a poor person. That's Har, mountain, Dal. Hardal, Hardal is mustard. So he was saying, I want uh, beets with mustard. So he wouldn't ask for it directly. He would say it in Sean. The name is, I guess, wasn't respectful maybe to ask for food uh, in a direct way. Wow. So he would say it in Sean. The name is, whoever was on the other side must have been a big hakam <laughs> to understand that this is exactly uh, what he meant. Gemara continues. When he used to ask about his host, it seems he used to stay by a certain lodging, and it was actually a hostess. So he wanted to know how she was doing. So it wouldn't be derich eretz for a man to ask about a lady, but he wanted to know how she was doing. So he would say, Amar He would say the following, Givar pum den hai mazu now that would be a remez for how is the Ushpiza doing? How? So Gevar is a man. How do you say man? Ish. Pum is a mouth. So that would be Peh. Den is this. That would be Zeh. So if you take the words together, it would be Ish Peh Zeh, which sounds like Ushpizeh. And then he would say the word Hai, meaning De Gevar Pum Den Hai is. Is he alive? What is the good by it? Which means, is she okay? Is everything fine by it? Again, like he said it in a... Derech Remez. And the Gemara continues. Rabbi Abhu. When Rabbi Abhu used to use Lashon Chokmah, meaning Lashon Remez, He used to say as follows, Make the coals the color of an etrog. It seems the he wanted the coals to be glowing, yeah. right? So the etrog has like, let's say, uh, a, a gl- goldish, yellowish uh, color. So he would say, Make the pehamim uh, hot, so they come to the color like uh, an etrog. He would also call the golds when they become red, he would refer them to like red gold. So he would say, Arkiu, spread them out, meaning spread them out over the uh, area in order that he could warm himself from the coals. So again, uh, look at the Rashi, Arkiu, Shatru, Kemor spread them out like a Rakia. Rakia is called Rakia, why? Because it's spread out over the whole um, sky. So he would say, Arkiu, spread them out. Again, Lezehavin Rashi, Gehalim Lohashot Adumot Kezahav. Means they were burning coals that were like uh, reddish. Then he would say, When he wanted to eat chicken, he would say, Make for me two tellers of the dark. What do you mean tellers of the dark? Because the, the chicken, the rooster, knows the difference between, right? Yom velayla. And Alot HaShachar is able to make cock-a-doodle do, because you know, it knows the difference. So instead of asking, it's not a word for the rabbi to ask for chicken. So he would say, Beremiz, he would say, give me uh, two Magideh Ba'alata. Give me two of these items that uh, are able to tell us about the, uh, the night. Now she says, Tanigolim Hamodi'in Onot Alayla. The chickens that are able to tell the times of the night. 
Now, Ika de Amri, some say no, it was actually part of the coals, which means he would tell them, prepare the coals, and then he would say, make for me the chickens on the coals that I told you to prepare. Asuli bahin, meaning make for me on the coals, meaning roast the chicken. Shneh magideh ba'alatag, and alata is the night. Amru le rabbanan le abhu. Uh, so the rabbis told uh, Rabbi Abu, Tell us where Rabbi Al-Ai is hiding. It seems Rabbi Al-Ai did not come to the yeshiva. So the Hakamim wanted to know, where is he? Now, the Hakamim answered in a remez, uh, in the remez way. Actually, Rabbi Abu answered in a remez. So he told the rabbis, Alats, he is rejoicing Bin'ara Ahoranit Ahoranit Iranit Dinairato. What did he mean by this? He got married, Rabbi to a Kohenit. So how did they say Kohenit? Aharonit, meaning from the family of Arona Kohen. Aharonit, the last one, meaning this is his second wife. Meaning he was married already once, and this is the last wife. Iranit, she's very uh, smart, she's a pikeach, and therefore she's talking to him all night, and therefore, she kept him up. So therefore he didn't sleep last night. So therefore, he's, uh, you know, he didn't come to the yeshiva. That's a nice way of saying it, instead of having to speak explicitly his wife and all that. He's being happy with Ahoranit, Ahoranit, Iranit, a smart one. Now some explain that this was referring to Limut Torah. Meaning, not his actual wife. Now she learns it's about an actual wife that he married. But the Mephashim also explained it, they refer with Talmud Torah. Meaning, actually that she brings it down as well. That she says, uh, uh, it was referring to Ahoranit, meaning he was learning Seder Kodshim. Which talks about the laws of Aron HaKoyen, Avodat Aron. And Ahoranit, uh, that that's the last Masechet he's doing, he just made a siyum on the previous Masechet, so that's the subject that he's uh, involved in now. And it's very sharp, it's very difficult, and therefore it kept him up all night because he was delving into the, uh, thing, into the subjects. Okay? So comes the Gemara and says, and it's actually the Gemara says this, Amri la Isha, some say it's referring to a lady, Amri la Masikhta, and some say it's referring to actually Masikh that he was learning in Seder, Kotsim. Comes the Gemara and says, Amri la Bilai, they told the Bilai, had spinenu hachin rabbi abu safun. Tell us where the Abu is hiding. Where, where's the Abu? Amar and he told them, Nitya'es b'mahtir. He took advice from the mahtir, from the one that crowns. V'hingiv, and he went to the south, l'mefiboshet, to mefiboshet. What is this referring to? Yashi. Nitya'es b'mahtir. Who's the one that gives the crown? Natal reshut minasi. He went to the Nasi of Klai Yisrael. Mahtir, what do they call the Nasi, the one that gives the crown? Al-Shem Shinoten Reshut L'Smoch V'Nikrotor In the olden days, if you had the title in a B, so then already that uh, gave you certain rights. What rights? For example, if you have Simicha, 
and you're giving a, uh, a judgment in Hoshan Mishpat, in the monetary laws, and you make a mistake, doesn't matter. You do not have to compensate the mistake. Because since you're musmach, since you have a simika, your word is binding. However, if you're not musmach and you make a mistake, you have to pay from your own pocket to compensate the mistake. Who would give simika in the olden days? The nasi. So they would call the nasi the makhtir. The makhtir is the one that gives the ketir, that gives the crown, the power to others to, to rule. So it says, he went to the makhtir, he took advice from him. He went to the south, meaning the south of uh, Israel. That she says, Now, what's mefiboshet? She says, He went to the scholars in the south of Israel. Shehen hachamim me'od. They were very smart. Now why would they call them Mephibosheth? Al Shem Shayam Mephibosheth Adam Gadol. Which is just like we know Mephibosheth, the son of David, was a big Tamil Hakam. So therefore they nicknamed the scholars of the south also, also in the name of Mephibosheth. Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananya. Yoshua ben Hananya said, Miyam, huh? It was the son of uh, uh, Shaul, which could be the rabbi of David. Correct. If you watch the B. Yafed Dante, Yafed Dante, exactly. We ask him, Askeb ben Akot, Taf Dalet, and Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananya. Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananya said, Miyamai lo nitzhani adam. I never got outsmarted. By a person, three times in my life, I got out uh, conversed, mm-hmm. out shopped by a uh, one time by a lady, one time by a, a child, a boy, and one time by a tinoket, a, uh, a a girl. Isha mayhi. What was the case where he got outsmarted by the outwitted by the lady? Pamachat one time. He says, I was a guest by a certain uh, lady. So she made me fool. Beans on uh, Sunday. I ate the whole plate. I didn't leave any leftovers. On Monday, I also ate the whole plate, I didn't leave anything over. The Yom Shilishi, on the third day, when she made them for me, she burnt them with salt. Meaning she put so much salt in the food that day, it was unedible. Said, I tasted it, so I, I put my hand away from them, I can't eat it, it's unedible. So she saw he's not eating. She says, Hakam, how come you're not eating today? So he gave her an excuse. He said, no, 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 I ate a late lunch. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not hungry. So what are you eating all the bread for? Which means, if you, if you ate already, how come uh, you're eating the bread? It must be something's wrong over here. So then watch what she tells the rabbi. It says, maybe the reason why you're leaving over this plate over here is because since you cleaned off the plates before and you didn't leave over, and the halakha says that it's when you eat, you don't eat the whole plate. You leave a little... Uh, the plate. The plate. It says, ah, you're probably leaving over to make up for, for the last two days that you polished off the whole plate and didn't leave any leftovers. So, the is, she was giving him a hint. 
Yeah, he did wrong. You weren't supposed to eat the whole plate. How do we know this? She says, Then the Akamim say, In the pot, you don't leave any leftovers. Meaning, from the pot, you serve everybody. You can clean out the pot. However, But in the plates, you leave over. Why? Because the custom was, the shamosh that would serve them, where is he going to eat from? So the custom was, all the leftovers of everybody else's plate, he would collect after, and he would eat it. And therefore, it's not respectful. So she... She uh, gave him a little musar. She said, nah, I don't understand. You're leaving over today the whole plate to, li- to, to make up for the two days that you didn't leave over anything. So he said, I had no answer. This is it. She, she got him. This is, the lady gave me, she outwitted me. She outsmarted me. Tinoket mai. What was the case of the tinoket, of the child? Says so one day I was walking on the uh, road. It was like a, uh, uh, a road that crossed through a field. So it was a shortcut. So, you know, it, it went through the guy's uh, field. So the rabbi says, uh, I walked uh, on the shortcut, on the road that uh, went through the field. So one of the little uh, girls came to Rabbi Yoshua bin Hananya and says, Rabbi, lo sadehizu? How could you walk on this guy's field? It's private property. How could you walk on here trespassing on somebody's not gazing? Amartila, no, derech kivushahi. No, this is a uh, literally a uh, a conquered road, which means this is a this is a pathway, which means this is a beaten path that uh, it's permissible uh, to walk. Amrali, he said, yeah, you know why it's a, a, a beaten path? Listim kamotka kavshuha. He says, thieves like you made it a road. That means, well, just because you see it's a path, you, see, you think that was like that always? Guys like you, they want to take shortcuts, yeah. they trampled it, and then that became a road. Well, you have no right. How do you know that? So therefore, he didn't have an answer. He was saying that, and what was the proof? The proof that's running in a field. Why would there be a, a road running through a field? Must be it's really private property. Therefore, Rabbi, you really have no right to, to walk through. So the she didn't have a uh, answer. He was, he was, she was stuck. Tinok, my he. was the case of the Tinok? Says, one time I was walking on the, the road. There was a child. She was sitting. He was sitting at the fork in the road. He can go to the right. He can go to the left. The Amarti law says, so I asked the child, which road leads me to the city? Amarli, this one is short and long, this one is long, but short. So he heard the short road, he took the short road. Says, I took the road that he said was short and long. When I got to the city, I saw that there was no entry into the city. Which is that road, albeit it was short to get to the city, but it was blocked. There was all fields and orchards, there was no entry. So therefore what happened? He had to trace his steps back to the spot. You told me that this is the short path. Didn't I tell you it's the shortcut, but it's the long cut. Meaning, you're right, it's short to get to the city, but once you get there, you can't get in. It's the long way, because now you have to circumvent the whole 
the whole area. The other road, albeit it was longer to get there, but once you get there, there's a passage. You go right into the city. So what happened? What did the rabbi do? The Amarti no Ashrechem Yisrael Shikulechem Hachamim Gedolim Atem Megidolchem Veadketanchem. He said Ashrechem Yisrael. You have scholars from the oldest to the youngest. Which means this this kid was a scholar the way he talked. So the Hachamim of Musa point out over here that you see the rabbi's reaction was besablanut. He was it was patient. Here the the kid caused him to walk and walk all the way back. Instead he could have yelled at the kid. He could have said, What are you doing over here? You couldn't be more clear. You had to I wasted the you know precious time walking back and forth. Instead he was he controlled his uh, his cars, he controlled his anger. On the contrary, he kissed him, he said Ashlechim he gave him a Beraka meaning he had a positive outlook exactly how to react to that story. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.